Hello, this is Jerry McGee. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Overcoming Life Obstacles. Uh, we are on here twice a month, and we will be teaching principles of the overcoming life. And we're uh, speaking live out of Lindale, Texas, uh, and I'm with Abiding Life Ministries. You can go into my website, jerrymcgee.com. That's G like George, E-R-I. M-C-G-H-E-E.com, and you can go into my website, and there's books and free articles and free CDs that you can listen to. We'll be on the air the first and third um, Tuesdays of each month from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. And tonight, I want to pray before we start. I want to be teaching on the purpose of suffering. You know, suffering is something that we all have to go through. And, uh, but praise God, he's the victor in the midst of his suffering. So, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you and praise you, Lord, that you are such a wonderful God. We thank you that you're our king, our Lord, our master, our savior. We thank you that you're the teacher. And, Father, tonight I ask that each person who's listening in will have their lives changed. I pray, Lord, that each person who listens in will uh, understand about suffering and why we go through it and how to overcome it and how to respond in the midst of it. Father, I pray that you take human words by the power of your Holy Spirit and make them say more than they could normally say. Take human ears and give them ability by the power of your Holy Spirit to hear more than I can possibly say. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that each person who's listening will be encouraged, that they will see that this purpose uh, is to conform us into your image To more, be more like you Lord I ask you to cover uh, Myself, my concerns My children, my family uh, Cover uh, Dorothy and her family with the blood of Jesus And each person who's listening in Lord I pray for your ministering angels To minister to each person Thank you Lord that we've been raised to sit with you In heavenly places far above Principalities and powers and we take our seat in the heavenly places, and we bind you, Satan, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits in heavenly places. We bind you in the heavenly places, and on this earth we forbid you to work with, communicate with, make contact with anyone on this earth, or in the heavenly places to work divination against us. In Jesus' name, we bind and break every word of death, word of iniquity, curse, assignment, satanic ritual spoken over us. In Jesus' name, we send back on the enemy everything that's been sent against us seven times over and broken and in full force, not to kill them, hurt them, harm them, but so they'll fear God and turn away from evil. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you and praise you that we have authority over all of Satan's power. And, Lord, we thank you that you said no weapon formed against us will prosper, and every tongue that accuses us in judgment we condemn now. In Jesus' name, we declare that this is the heritage of those that serve you, that their vindication is from the, from you. And, Lord, we thank you that your name is a strong power. The righteous can run into it and are safe. We thank you that you're our refuge, our fortress. Thank you that we dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, so we abide under your shadow and protection. So, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name, and I loose upon each listener the truth that sets us free. In Jesus' name. Now, for those of you who do not know uh, about my uh, the tragedy that happened in our family, my grandson-in-law was the uh, was the Marine fighter pilot whose plane went down uh, south of Japan about four weeks ago, and he was killed. 
and my granddaughter uh, was left with a little three-and-a-half-year-old boy and a baby on the way. And so I'd appreciate those of you who haven't prayed that if you'll pray for her. And, Lord, those of you who have prayed, I want to thank them, Lord, for all those that have prayed. And so I really want to thank you for all of your your messages of condolence and, and for all that you've done, and I appreciate it. And her name is Kylie, and she has a, a son named Colt and a little baby on the way named Maylee. And so um, please continue to pray. You know, our hearts are broken, but we know that God uses suffering in all of our lives. And basically this message really came out of the suffering that we've gone through the last, uh, the last month in uh, grieving over this loss. But God knows the plans that he has for us, the Bible says. Um, they're for good and not for evil, to give us a future and a hope. And uh, the promises of God are to the overcomer. And, you know, if we didn't have anything to overcome, we couldn't be an overcomer. And it says in James that we're to count it all joy when we go through various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance. And then it goes on to say, and let endurance have its perfect result so that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And, you know, the first, I guess the first time this scripture really hit me to count it all joy, and I thought, well, Lord, how can I count it all joy? I had just lost a son with AIDS in 1989. How do you count it all joy? And then um, the Lord showed me that, that I can count it all joy knowing that the testing of my faith is producing endurance. And the scripture says we all have need of endurance. And after we've done the will of God, we'll receive what's promised. The scripture also says that, uh, that we're not to grow weary in well-doing, for in due time we'll reap if we do not grow weary and faint. You know, a person that is a fainter is a person that has a poor um, concept of God. Uh, a, a fainter is a person who gives up, quits, bails out, and if he's married, he wants a divorce every time there's a problem. Uh, a person who's a fainter, he's a fainter because he don't go to God's throne of grace to get strengthened, conf- uh, confirmed, and perfected. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews that there's a throne of grace we can go to, and at the throne of grace we can find mercy and help in time of need. And so a person who's a fainter does not go to the throne of grace because he has a poor, a, a poor concept of God. Um, and so if he would go to God in the midst of his uh, pain or suffering or trials, he would get strengthened, confirmed, established, and perfected. But if you don't go to the grace, the throne of, God, of grace in the times of tr- trouble, you come short of the grace of God and you receive a root of bitterness. And bitter- bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for someone else to die. So, you know, God wants to use our, our trials to make us bitter or better depending on um, – he wants to make us better, not bitter, but we get bitter because we don't go to God in our suffering or in our trials. And so how we respond to suffering will determine whether or not we are better or we're bitter. And I can tell you that everything I've ever gone through has made me better. I'm still a work in progress, and so are you. In our suffering, we have to forgive. If we don't forgive, we're turned over to the tormentors. They are demons that inflict pain. It's the pain of disease. 
And so so there's a throne of grace that all of us can go to, but we have to humble ourselves to go there. And so if you don't remember anything else I, I've said, when you have a problem, go to God and ask him, what is the lesson in all of this? Lord, what are you trying to teach me? And, and, and as he shows you, be sure and forgive, forgive yourself, forgive others. Because when we let the sun go down on our anger, we uh, give Satan a foothold in our life. And one of the words for uh, Lucifer, which is another name for Satan, is wormwood, which is bitter. And so in the Song of Solomon, uh, the king is talking to the bride and he says, How sweet is your mouth, my darling. And so the bride's mouth is sweet. The harlot's mouth is bitter. A harlot is a person that prays a prayer to receive Jesus, and then their heart goes after other lovers. And, of course, this is a spiritual harlot. And they, because Jesus is supposed to be our bridegroom, if our heart goes after other lovers, we're committing spiritual adultery. And, of course, we know that a real harlot is someone that pays, um, gets paid for what she does, uh, sexual favors that she does, she gets paid for. But a spiritual harlot is a person that commits adultery against their bridegroom, Jesus. Billy Graham said, suffering is a part of, of the human condition, and it comes to all of us. Um, the key is how we react. Turning away from God in anger and bitterness are growing closer to him in trust and confidence. Elizabeth Elliot, who was a famous Christian author uh, and speaker, uh, she was married to Jim Elliot, who was a missionary. And, of course, the very people, the very tribes that he was ministering to and trying to help were the ones that killed him. And she said, suffering is never for nothing. She said, I've come to see that through the deepest suffering that God has taught me the deepest lessons, and if we'll trust him for it, we can come to the unshakable assurance that he's in charge and that he has a, a loving purpose and he can transform something terrible into something wonderful. Suffering is never for nothing. And, of course, we, we can let it be for nothing if we don't go to God in the midst of the suffering. If you come short of the grace of God and you don't go to God because you have a poor a concept of who God is, and uh, then you, uh, it won't work for your good. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says everything, 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 everything. It doesn't say all the everything. But I can say everything, everything, everything you go through will work for your good if, big if, you, um, uh, if you allow those trials to conform you into the image of Christ and you do that by going to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in time of need. And when we have a poor uh, concept of God, we won't go to the throne of grace because unconsciously we view our uh, God, the Heavenly Father, we view him as we viewed our, our mother and fathers because mother and fathers, they, um, they model a picture of us, a model a picture for us of, of who God is. And so if they are poor role models, we receive lies that God's just like our mother and dad. And if their mother and father hurt us or they didn't love us or they didn't direct us or they weren't there or they, they, were, they didn't love us or they rejected us, well, we receive a lie that God's the same way, so we don't go to the throne of grace and we become a fainter. And a fainter is like one of these little paper airplanes that you throw up in the air and it sails through the air, but then it goes clunk and it takes a nosedive. 
And so fainters are people that when they go through a trial, they may be having a happy day, but when they go through a trial, they'll want to give up and quit and faint and bail out, and if they're married, they want a divorce. Paul Bellheimer, in his book entitled Don't Waste Your Sorrows, he said that, that, that suffering was to train us to reign in eternity because the promises of God are to the overcomer, not to the overcome. Uh, Watchman Nee, in his book The Release of the Spirit, uh, basically he's, he's likening this to a grain of wheat that falls to the ground of dye. And the scripture says in um, John 12, 24, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. And in Watchman Nee's book, in the release of the spirit, he's saying that when you plant, say you plant a grain of wheat or corn, that the, the moisture in the soil eats away at the coating or the outside shell of the corn or the wheat, and then the then life of the life that's in that corn uh, kernel or in that wheat kernel bursts forth. But it has to give the, the 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 seed has to give over its life to the soil for fruit to be produced. And and basically, I remember in this book he also said that you can crush a rose petal, and there's there's a greater fragrance than um, than just smelling a rose. And so he was talking about the spirit, the release of the spirit that breaks forth in our lives when we go through suffering. And this is only if you are yielding your life to the Lord. And the following, uh, the following is a list of purposes of suffering, and I'm sure not all of it, not an all-conclusive list. But if you turn to God in your suffering, uh, you can just know that um, he's going to use it for good. But if you've got to turn to him in the, in the things that you go through. And one of the major things that God's taught me through suffering um, is that I wasn't as smart as I thought I always was. And so you may be right where I was. Um, God uses suffering. At first, first uh, Peter 4, 1 says, in suffering, sin loses its power over us. Uh, God also opens our ears in times of suffering. You know, when you go through things, it's almost like you're brought to the end of yourself because you don't have any of the answers you thought you once had. And you really don't have any answers, and so your ears are opened in the in the times of suffering. Uh, now, if you're just stubborn and rebellious, no, uh, but you won't. It won't work for your good if you are. You've got to yield your life 100% to the Lord. Uh, in Job 3:16, uh, the whole chapter is about how God chastens us with uh, strokes on our bed, uh, on being chastened by God. And, and then it says, when night falls, he opens our ears. He seeks, he seals his instruction to our heart, and he delivers us from our pride. So he opens our ears and delivers us from our pride. Um, and, you know, when you go through suffering, the things you go through, you go through that you might be a comfort to other people. You know, if you've gone through a divorce, as I have, I know how to comfort people when their husbands have taken off with their secretaries. Uh, I know how to be a comfort. I know the pain they go through. And even with my granddaughter, even though, uh, you know, I had the shame of divorce, and she's a widow at the same age that I was a divorcee, um, she's left with happy memories of a husband who loved her through the shame of divorce. And it was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever gone through. And actually, we were almost the same. She's almost the identical age 
that I was when I went through the pain. So I know the pain she's going through. I know the loss that she's going through. Uh, You know, I know how to comfort someone who's lost a son or daughter in death because I lost my son when he was 25 years old. I know the pain of divorce. I know... um, uh, I know how it feels to be abandoned by the ones you love. It says in 2 Corinthians 1, 5, For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. Or if we're comforted, it's for our comfort, for your comfort, which <clears throat> is effective in patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. You know, suffering also brings to death our way of thinking. You know, we can think we're the smartest people in the world and we have all the answers, but when we go through suffering, um, we can produce fruit for his kingdom because it brings us to the end of ourselves. John twelve twenty four says, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. So suffering brings to death our way of thinking uh, so that we can produce good fruit for God and his kingdom. Um, Through suffering, we realign our plans. It brings realignment to our plans. You know, the scripture says we can make our plans, but the final outcome is in God's hands. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. They're for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I remember this scripture became so important to me, something that I clung to when my husband uh, was divorcing me. I remember one night sitting in church after I had gone by his girlfriend's house and saw him holding her 13-month-old baby when he had left our 8-year-old and our 12-year-old. It absolutely broke my heart. Because I grew up feeling loved by my parents, the rejection of me was not the what, what I was suffering over. I was suffering over the fact that I would look at my little boys and they wouldn't have it, their daddy. And um, I can tell you I forgave the other woman. I forgave um, my husband. But it was a broken uh, time of great brokenness in my life. But I was sitting in church after that day, the night that this happened. That, well, it happened during the day, but at night I went to church, and tears were splashing down on my Bible. And the precious lady next to me, she opened my Bible to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, where it says, God said, I know the plans I have for you. They're for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I went, God. God, you mean you have a plan in the midst of all this mess because it just looked like a big mess to me. I had no hope. In fact, I would have never killed myself, but I really would have would have chosen for him to blow my brains out rather than divorce me because I didn't want to be a divorced. I didn't want to go through a divorce. I did everything I could to stop the divorce because I didn't want my children to think that I wanted it trial should have lasted 15 minutes but it lasted nine hours and then my attorney appealed it to a higher court because I was just holding on and people would say well why are you holding on why don't you let this man go and I just said one day Lord am I do you not want me to hold on and I'll do whatever you say so I put out a fleece to the Lord and the fleece was to let him go and I cried all day because I didn't want to let him go 
And um, I can tell you I love him today. I forgive him, but I would not want to have him back. Uh, as I would cry out to God, Lord, you said if I delight in you, I'll have the desires of your of, of, of my heart. And, God, I want my marriage back. I want my home. And the Lord would say, Jerry, really, am I, am I really all you want? Yes, Lord, but I want, I want my husband back. But it didn't work out like that. And now as I look back on it, probably... Oh, goodness, probably 40 years later, I look back on it, and I know I wouldn't be doing today what I'm doing now, which really was the delight of my heart, would be to serve God and to be his servant. And so God knows what he's doing. At that time, I can say I was so self-righteous. I was teaching Sunday school in a Baptist church, and I was so self-righteous, so judgmental of the uh, the people that were divorced uh, that were that the pastor allowed to teach Sunday school. Uh, I was so self righteous of of uh, I couldn't believe that the pastor was allowing the to smoke on the parking lot. And I tell you, it was like God used all of this. It was it was like I got hit between the eyes with a big tumor floor. And after that, I would think, no matter what, well, at least they're not divorced. God used it to bring a great humbling in my life, and He still humbled me. I don't claim to be humble now, but He still. Um, still working on it another thing about suffering is it takes me into a new depth with god it takes me deeper with god Um, many people are even born again during the suffering i was already born again jesus was lord of my life in the midst of my self-righteousness jesus was the lord and king of my life then and john 330 is jesus said that he must increase and we must decrease and we have to know that when we're self-righteous, um, we're really trying to take credit for something in our life that God gave us by his grace. Um, suffering uh, also is used to increase our awareness of the power of God, whom we owe our sustenance. Psalm 68 verse 9 says, You shed abroad a fruit, a plentiful rain, O God. You confirmed your inheritance when it was parched. So God wants to pour out the rain of his Holy Spirit on your parched uh, land. And, of course, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says you're building your house, you're a field. And so when we're parched, he wants to pour out upon us the rain of his Holy Spirit. And uh, when we suffer, suffering bankrupts us, making us totally depend upon God. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 says, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ might dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with with, uh, persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You know what? We're trained up to believe that when we're strong, we're strong. God says when you're weak, you're strong. And suffering weaks, weakens our uh, human flesh um, so that we can depend on Christ. It teaches us humility. Second Corinthians 12, 7 says, Because of the surpassing greatness of, of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn of, of the, in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. You know, here this scripture is saying that 
Paul, the Apostle Paul, had a demon. For those people that don't believe that a Christian can have a demon, it says that God sent Paul, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment him to keep him from exalting himself. Suffering teaches us that God is not concerned about, he's more concerned about character than he is our comfort. Romans 5.3 says, And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, uh, proven character, and proven character hope. And so um, also during our trials, he uses our trials to discipline us. Now, if you're just rebellious, uh, then he will, um, in other words, if you don't humble yourself, uh, you'll get a spanking from God, and nobody wants God to give them a spanking. But I'm talking about just the discipline that he uses to, to align us with the word of God. He's not mad at us. He's just wanting to bring us to a new level of obedience. And, you know, you can be as obedient as you know how to be, and there's still more that God wants to show you. But in our trial, mm-hmm. it says in Hebrews 12 that if you don't let God discipline you or correct your mistakes or realign you with the word of God, that if you don't receive God's discipline, you're an illegitimate bastard child, and you're not even his child. Um, Hebrews 12:10 says, For they, speaking of our parents, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we might share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, but to those who've been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So that's the purpose of this discipline. Um, God uses our trials to to show us places that we have missed um, alignment with his word. And he uses our trials to bring us back into alignment, just to correct mistakes. And, of course, those are, that's just for people that are as yielded to God as they know how to be. If we're willfully rebellious, then God, the scripture says in Psalms 107, there are those who dwelt in misery and chains, um, prisoners in misery, of, misery and chains because they had rebelled against the Most High God. Then it goes on to say, then they cried out to the Lord in their distresses, and he healed them and sent his word to heal them. Uh, suffering teaches us that the greatest good of the Christian life is not the absence of pain, but it's Christian character, and that's the purpose. And suffering can be chastisement from God for, for the sin of rebellion. Uh, Proverbs seventeen eleven says, A rebellious man seeks only evil. So a cruel messenger will be sent against him. And we, you know, Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. And so if he learned obedience to the things he suffered, we also learn obedience from the things that we suffer. So we learn obedience and self-control from suffering. Hebrews 5.8 says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. And, of course, we don't obey because we want to be saved. We obey because we are. Obedience is the fruit of salvation. Uh, salvation is by the grace of God. Hebrews 5, eight says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. 
Psalms 119, verse 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, for it was good that I was afflicted, because now I keep his word. And that was my son's favorite verse when he was dying of AIDS, was that before he was afflicted, he went astray. And it was good that he was afflicted, because now he keeps God's word. Uh, Psalms 119, verse 71 says, It is good, uh, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Suffering uh, takes mere head knowledge and brings it down into heart transformation. What was in my head now becomes a heart reality. And this, of course, is only if we allow God to use the trial in our life. If we rebel and we don't let God use these things in our life, then we become bitter, and bitterness will end up making you sick. God uses suffering to humble us so that he can exalt us at the proper time. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Suffering is used to increase our awareness of the sustaining power of God whom we owe our sustenance. Uh, Psalm 68, verse 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burdens to God, the God who is our salvation. God to us is a God of deliverances, and to God our Lord belong uh, escapes from death. You know, for me to have a right response to suffering, if I respond rightly to suffering, um, it will guarantee uh, that I'll have peace, I'll have happiness, I'll be more conformed in the image of Christ, I'll have blessings, and will be able to live an overcoming life. And so the, so just what are some of the right responses to suffering? Uh, the first thing is we should respond to suffering in total submission to his lordship and to come under the yoke of Jesus, which is light and easy, and we'll find rest for our soul. Um, and, and, it's in, and another great response to suffering, probably one of the most important besides submitting yourself to God, is to saturate yourself in the word of God. You know, in the times that I was suffering in a bad marriage, suffering uh, because my son was living a homosexual lifestyle, I saturated myself in the word of God. And had it not been for the word of God, I would have perished in my affliction, as the psalmist said. Uh, in my, in my uh, years of suffering, uh, I just buried myself in the word of God. And I would pray prayers. Um, I would make each verse a prayer to pray for my children and for my family. And for those of you who really don't know, my youngest son, he died of AIDS in 1989. And I had prayed for him for 20 years. Uh, And the Lord told me seven years before that he was that the Lord told me seven years that he was in seven years he was going to be saved and serving the Lord. And um, one day I was reading in the Bible and I read Hosea two five, um, and it's really Hosea talking about his wife was a harlot. But when I read um, when I read Hosea, and I'm just going to read Hosea two, but when I read Hosea two, the Lord showed me that He was going to take my son. This was seven years before he got AIDS. 
that he was going to take him through a door of trouble. And I'm just going to read this. But through this door of trouble, he was not going to let him be destroyed. He was going to use the trouble that he led him to go through to bring him to salvation. And, of course, he was willfully rebellious. I don't think he wanted to live the lifestyle he lived, but he was driven. And Hosea 2 says, For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread, my water, my my wood and my flax, my oil and my drink. And basically this was what my son did. He was going after his lovers thinking that these lovers were the ones that kept him going. Um, it says, therefore, behold, I will hedge up her way with thorns, and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. She will pursue her lovers, but she will not overtake them. And she will seek them, but they will not, but will not find them. You know, my son said when he was dying that he had sought for love his whole life and looking in the wrong places for it, which so many people do. You know, God is the lover of our soul. And I thank God that my son came to know Jesus as the lover of his soul. He says, but, but she will seek after her lovers, but will not find them. She will say, I will go back to my husband, for it is better for me than now. Now, it's talking about she, but, you know, if, if, the, if men and women are going to be the bride of Christ, it's referring to men and women. She will say, I'll go back to my love first husband, for it was better for me then than now. For she does not know that it was I who gave her the grain and the new wine and the oil and lavished her with silver and gold, uh, which they use for the Baals. That's the false god. You know, a, a Baal is anything that we love more than Jesus. Um, in, in verse 9, it says, Therefore, I will... I will take back my grain and my at harvest time, and I'm going to take back my wine in its season, and I'll also take away my wool and flax that was given to cover her nakedness. So God says, I'm going to take back what I've given her and make her to the bring her to the place of just being destitute, and then I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one will rescue her out of my hand. I will also put an end to her all of her gaiety, her feast, her new moons, her Sabbath, and all her feasts and assemblies. I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, there'll be no fruit, which she said, these are my wages, which my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beast of the field will not devour them. Now, the beast of the field is a type and shadow of the demons, and they devour it says, I'll punish her for the days of her bales. And this is what God was telling me concerning my son and him seeking after all of the, the lovers he had. When she used to offer sacrifices to them and adorn herself with her earrings and her jewelry and follow her lovers, that she forgot me, declares the Lord. Therefore, and see, my son had accepted the Lord three times, had been baptized three times. It says, therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness, and I'll speak kindly to her. So when I read this, I knew the Lord was going to take him into the wilderness, not knowing then that it was going to be AIDS. 
Then I will give her her vineyards, and from there in the valley of Achor, which means the door of trouble, a door of trouble, of hope. In other words, I'm going to take her through the valley of Achor, which is the valley of trouble, as a door of hope. So this door of trouble ends up being a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt or out of the world. And I will, come, and it will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me Ishi, my husband, and will no longer call me Bali, my owner. For I will remove the names of the Baals, the idols, from her mouth, so that they will be not mentioned anymore by the names. They, I'm sorry, they will be mentioned by their names no more. In other words, he's going to take the names of their false gods right out of his mouth. And in in that day, I will also make a covenant for them with the beast of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land. In other words, God's going to make the demons back off and will make them lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice in loving kindness and compassion. So God's saying, through all of this, I'm going to betroth you to me, and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. In other words, God told me that through this door of trouble, it was going to end up being a door of hope and that he would end up knowing the Lord through what he went through, which ended up being true. Exactly seven years after God told me this, The Lord told me he'd be serving the Lord by the time he was 25, and he died when he was 25 years and three days. And one of the the last people he talked to is three little boys that had been into homosexuality. And please know if you're listening, I'm not condemning homosexuality. Uh, It's a sin against God, just like adultery, fornication, like gluttony. It's a sin. It's no greater than any other sin. And I can say I love homosexuals, and I love... I love people, and, and, and if you're listening to, and you have that problem, turn to the Lord with all your heart, and he will set you free, um, but you have to yield to him. And then after that, God led me to Isaiah 28, and I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to start reading on verse, uh, maybe verse 13 of Isaiah 28. And so if you're listening, you might want to read this whole thing. But the Lord gave me this uh to show me that he wasn't going to let God, he wasn't going to let my son be destroyed by what he went through. And he used this passage of scripture to show me this. Um, And I'll start with verse 12. He who said to me, here's rest, give rest to the weary and here's repose, but they wouldn't listen. God was saying, you know, come unto me all you labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest but he wouldn't listen. Uh, So the word of the Lord to them was order on order, order on order, line on line, a little here, a little there, uh, that they may stumble backwards and be broken, snared and be taken captive. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, O scoffers, uh, who rule this people who are in Jerusalem, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we have made a pact. But overwhelming scourge will not reach us when it passes by. 
And I read this, and I thought, Lord, I said to the Lord, and I wrote this in my Bible, Lord, are you trying to tell me that something is going to happen to Todd? And sure enough, it did. But it says, it will, because you've made a pact with death, uh, and you think that the overwhelming scourge is not going to get you when it passes by, for we have made falsehood our refuge, and we've concealed ourselves with deception. And that's exactly what we do when we have other gods, uh, whatever they are. We are concealing ourselves with deception. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I'm laying, a stone, a, laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the level. Then hell will sweep away the refuge of life. In other words, what you're going through is going to sweep away all the lies you believe. It says, and the waters will overflow the secret place, and your covenant with death will be canceled. You know, the covenant with the Lord Jesus is a covenant of life and blessing. But through all of this, your covenant of death is going to be canceled, and your pact with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, then you will become its trampling place. And when I read this, I didn't know, I don't think AIDS was even known then but when but this turned out this overwhelming scourge turned out to be AIDS HIV virus verse 19 as often as it passes through it will seize you from morning till morning till it passes through any time during the day and night and it will be sheer terror to understand what it means the bed is too short which to stretch out and the blanket is too small to wrap oneself. When my son was dying with AIDS, he had to keep his feet uncovered because of neuropathy in his feet. He couldn't stand anything touching his feet. So his feet did uh, stick out. So it says, the bed is too short in which to stretch out, and the blanket is too small to wrap oneself. For the Lord will rise up as Mount Perizim, he will stir, be stirred up as in the valley of Gibeon to do his task, his unusual task, and to work his work, his extraordinary work. And now do not carry on his scoffers, for your fetters will be made stronger. For I have heard from the Lord of hosts of decisive destruction on all the earth. Give ear and hear my voice then and hear my words. Now, this, these next verses is what God used to show me that he wasn't going to let Todd be destroyed by what he was going through. It says, does the farmer plant uh, plow continually to plant seed? Does he continue to turn and harrow the ground? Does he not level the surface and sow deal and scatter cumin and plant wheat in rows, barley in its place, and rye? within the area for his God for his God instructs and teaches him properly for deal is not threshed with a threshing sledge nor cumin uh, no the cartwheel driven over cumin for deal is beaten out with a rod and cumin with a club And uh, I didn't, the rest of that goes on to say that he's not, basically, 
that he's not going to let the wheat be damaged. And I, I didn't, uh, I've left off the last part of this verse, but that's what it goes on to say. So when I read that, I knew that whatever my son went through, God was going to use it. God knew just how much pressure to put. He knew just what it took. And, of course, my son had lived a rebellious life. And this is not, uh, uh, so this is for someone that just wants, that's someone that's living in rebellion. But, uh, you know, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, not my great-grandmother, my grandmother said this to me one day when I was, after I first got saved, I'd read the book of Job, and I said, oh, grandmother, I don't think I could go through what Job went through. And my grandmother said, honey, God will never put more on you than you can take. So that's how she said it. But that's scriptural. And so all of your problems, whatever you go through, you can find the answers in God's word. <clears throat> the word of God will be a comfort to you. And it was the only comfort that I could find in those 20 years I prayed for this son and went in the, the suffering I went through in a, in a marriage. Um, was to just uh, saturate myself in the word of God because the word of God, there was a time I was so broken and my heart was so broken that I couldn't read a newspaper. I didn't want to hear people's voices. The only thing that I could could do would be to read the Psalms. It was like ointment to my broken heart. And so cast all your cares on the Lord, knowing that um, that he's working it for your good, and he knows the plans he has for you, and they're for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then the scripture says in Psalms, fret not, because fretting leads to evil doing, and evildoers would be cut off. His promises, uh, that he promises that, that a broken and contrite heart he'll not despise, that he'll bind up your broken heart, give you beauty for ashes, all of joy instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting, that you might be an oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Praise the Lord because the Bible says everything you go through is working for your good. You know, God inhabits your praises, and so, you know, demons inhabit your moans and groans. And so many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Bible says God will deliver you from them all. Uh, Jesus said, in my Father's house there are many mansions. If, I, if it were not so, I would not have told you so. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go... Um, I'll receive you unto myself. Cast all your care on the Lord because he cares for you. The scripture says neither death, life, angels, principalities can separate you from the love of God that was uh, manifested in Christ Jesus. The scripture says this momentary light affliction is uh, working for you a far greater weight in glory. You know, there's a song that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim as you lie in the light of his glory and grace. And then Psalms 23 is a psalm that we can just uh, find such great hope. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So because God's your shepherd, no matter what you go through, you'll not want. He makes you to be to lie down in green pastures. He leads you besides quiet waters. In other words, he sees that you have food, and he leads you in peace. He restores your soul. He guides you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
you have anointed my head with oil. My cup runs over, overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I can tell you emphatically that I can tell you that everything I've ever gone through has worked for my good. Um, and I've gone through a lot. At one point, somebody um, told me, she said, Jerry, you just go through some more trials and I know what to do. But, you know, in the midst of them, I was happy. I had joy and was happiness because he led me in peace. Uh, the Bible says that all of his paths are paths of peace. Now, if you're not walking in peace, you're not walking his path. And so if you can if you can get a hold of the fact that God's your shepherd, you know, we try to tell the shepherd. Uh, what we want uh, Shepherd wants to lead us And when we're trying to lead the shepherd We'll be miserable people But God wants to lead you And so the secret of the overcoming life Is to uh, Stay on the potter's wheel You know he's the potter and you're the clay You fall off you get back on You know the clay's full of junk In the olden days The, the, the potter had to take the Trash and the junk and the stock, the sticks and the rocks out of the out of the um, clay, and the Bible says that God's the potter and you're the clay. The clay does one thing and that's yield to the potter. The clay rests on the potter's wheel, which is a picture of coming unto Him because you labor in a heavy laden and He gives you rest, taking His yoke on your neck. Having that rest is a picture of wearing His yoke, and if you stay on the potter's wheel. Uh, you'll experience God's peace, uh, and your clay's full of junk, but it's God's job to get the junk out. If you're a performer or legalistic, you're trying to do it yourself. You're trying to turn the potter's wheel. And so just staying yielded to the potter is the key to the overcoming life. If you stay yielded to the potter, you will fulfill the purpose of your creation. You couldn't miss God that way. You fall off in and get back on. My grandson-in-law, his commander, said of him, in all of his years, he had never known a man with the integrity that my grandson-in-law had. And that one of, in flying these fighter jets, one of his, he had a checklist of checking everything. And one of the things on his checklist was 1 John 1, 9 that says, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Um, and he can change you in your submitting to him. He'll change you from glory to glory and strength to strength. And, uh, and this is why you can count it all joy, knowing that, that uh, everything is working together for your good. This is why you can count it all joy, and in everything you can give thanks, knowing that God is causing this momentary light affliction to produce in you a far greater weight and glory. And so tonight, if you're, um, if you want prayer, uh, well, I'm gonna. What I want to do is I want to pray with you, and um, and then uh, if you if you want prayer after we get through, if you'll call six four six five nine five four seven eight four, and don't forget to press one, and I'll be happy to pray for you. And so, um, just pray with me, Lord, in Jesus' name, forgive me for being ungrateful. Lord, those of you who are listening, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for being ungrateful. Forgive me for murmuring and complaining. Lord, forgive me for not believing that what I'm going through is going to work for my good. Lord, I ask you to teach me why I'm going through what I'm going through. 
and uh, show me, Lord, as I come to your throne of grace. Forgive me, Lord, for being a fainter. Forgive me for, ter- for coming short of the grace of God. Uh, Lord, I forgive my parents for giving me a poor image of you. Lord, you're nothing like my earthly parents. So now, Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I come to your throne of grace for mercy and help in time of need. And, Lord, I present my body to you as a living sacrifice. I yield to you the potter. And, Lord, I ask you to bring every person on your potter's will. In Jesus' name, praise you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for deliverance. We thank you that you're our king, our God. We thank you, Lord, that your plans and purposes cannot be thwarted. Forgive us for living for our plan instead of living for yours. Forgive us for trying to to lead you, the shepherd, instead of letting you lead us. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope that this has been an encouragement to you to help you to know that there's a reason that you're not going through this for nothing, whatever you're going through. And um, if you're in the Duncanville area, uh, which are in the Dallas area, Duncanville borders Dallas on the south side. Uh, But if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I have a, a seminar, the second Saturday of each month at 10 o'clock, and if you will, um, I don't have the address of the church, but it's uh, Southwest Harvest Church in Duncanville, and if you're interested in coming, if you'll email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net, that's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E at S like Sam, B like boy, C like cat, global.net, I will add you to my my mailing list and send you a flyer each time I'm going to be on the radio or where I'm going to be. In March, uh, I'll be at the Spiritual Warfare Conference in uh, Beaumont and uh, in Lake Hamilton Bible Camp. I think it's the third week. I'm not sure. The third week of February, we have a ladies' conference, and it's a great place to get deliverance. In fact, if you call, you'll never be the same. Uh, you can you can find out the accurate the correct information by going to um, lakehamiltonbiblecamp.com and you can get information there. Uh, on my website, you can find free CDs to listen to. There's free articles you can print out. A place to sign up for my mailing email, um, and I try to send out not not long emails but something short. And so. Um, if, there, if no one needs prayer, then I'm going to go ahead and close. And uh, just thank you for listening. And I just want to say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you his peace.